and welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. Thank you. Number one, thank you for listening to this free episode. Uh, if you are interested in uh, listening to the other content that we have done, uh, we have a bunch of stuff on Patreon. Uh, you can find all that on patreon.com forward slash 10K post podcast. Uh, five bucks a month, you get lots of very great content, interviews, uh, reviews of films and great TV shows. There's a, a great uh, review of an anime series if you're interested in that. Uh, but I'm not allowed, but we're never doing that again because I'm not allowed to talk about cartoons anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, all that stuff is there. Check that out five bucks a month uh, and there'll be some like really great extra stuff coming pretty soon. Um, as always, well, uh, my name is Hussein. You can follow me at hkismani on twitter.com where for the next week, I will just be getting mad that Zencaster, the platform that we used to record the show on, has changed. Um, so it looks like this horrible hybrid of Zoom and Discord. Uh, and the person who has had to hear me rant about this is, of course... <laughs> Hello, um, I'm Phoebe. I am your other host. You can follow me on Twitter at PRHRoy. Um, I'm part of football Twitter now. I'm only going to be tweeting <laughs> about football from... <laughs> now until the end of the season so that's something so that's something fun to look out for i am very much looking forward to reading your tweets in which you accuse uh people of having of uh of, or denying people uh that they had experiences i don't know if i said that properly but <laughs> i just associate football accounts or like you know i think it's unfair but yeah you know, de- there's definitely a sort of contingent of football accounts that yeah do like to deny mostly to women that like oh, yeah. their very <laughs> mundane experiences no, 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 no. mostly mostly always it's always to women this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna start Start looking. I'm going to start looking for um, ideally, ideally young women uh, who are talking about like, like quite a kind of mundane and charming experience that that happened in their lives. And I'm going to show up in their mentions and say it didn't happen. Yeah, you know who you could do that to. You could do that to someone who uh, said that they were in Paris for a writers' retreat and witnessed oh. a terrorist attack. Oh, an an. Did you like that segue? Expert, beautiful segue. We simply love it. (laughs) Seamless. So smooth. smooth. I was very proud of that. I didn't even script that either. Um, No, you should be. You should be. This week, we are talking about, we're we're doing another film episode. Look, it's August. Uh, We don't like reading stuff. It's too hot. So we're like, let's let's just like watch films and catch up on TV. Um, We are doing a film uh, this time. It's a film that kind of like, I was actually recommended it by a couple of fans uh when it first came out and um we don't have hulu in this country so i had to like uh you know i I had to go to my guy in the alleyway uh who has like dvds in his uh in his trench coat and i had to ask him to give me a copy of this um Mm. the film is called not okay and it came out from hulu it came out uh by uh hulu uh about a month ago i think um it was sort of branded as like the kind of like influencer film and earlier early reviews i read of it were like they were kind of they were a mixed bag and we'll go into like the details of why it's a mixed bag but one of the kind of praises that this film got was that it understood influencer culture and social media better than its contemporaries um and partly that's because of like some of the history of this or like uh, the people behind this film. So this film is directed by Quinn Shepard, who uh, number one was born in 1995, um, and uh, you know, so very much of the Zoom of the Zoomer generation. Um, someone who, like, among kind of just being like an actor, also is like an I think is an Instagram influencer and very much exists in that world. Um, 
And uh, it also features in the film, it features like various people who like are whatever you think of them, they are kind of like internet personalities. So I guess the most kind of like well-known to the majority of people will be a cameo, will be a, the Caroline Calloway cameo, uh, mm. which I was very surprised about. I was kind of like, oh, I didn't, I, I never thought about her until this very moment. Um, but it also like has like other influences, many of whom I don't know. The one, the one that I do sort of know because she's popped up on my YouTube feed a lot is a YouTuber called Best Dressed. Um, who does like vintage clothing and stuff. And she's like, was a very, very popular YouTuber before she sort of quit or took a break and stuff. But there's other people like who, I think if you were younger, you'd sort of, these are like faces you'd recognize, but I didn't recognize them. Phoebe, did you recognize anyone, any of the side characters um, as TikTok stars or YouTube celebrities? Um, I don't, I don't know how many times I can say on this show, I am in my thirties. No, of course I don't. <laughs> of course I don't recognize them. I shouldn't recognize yeah, yeah. them. I shouldn't recognize no, them. Should, I, should no. be, I no. should be, I should be trapping teenagers on the bus and asking if they've ever heard of hot chips. That's what, that's my, that's my cultural that's my yeah. cultural <laughs> value and milieu. And it's like, and, it, and it's fine. It is, it is absolutely fine to age out of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really, really good uh, that we're, <laughs> that we're yeah, doing a uh, whole, whole episode about, about, a, about a film about this exact topic. But I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think not having a kind of embedded understanding of it necessarily mm. interferes with our capacities to judge it on its shall we say its aesthetic uh, uh, yeah. and artistic merits um about which i have some thoughts the aesthetic is very interesting um and was the reason why i mentioned like the youtubers and tech, like in, influencer stuff at the beginning is because one of the films, like the films, like one of the film's selling points to media when it came out was that like, you know, unlike the other films that sort of don't know how to talk about influencer culture or like how young people use the internet, like because it's incorporated so many people from that space and because the person who wrote the screenplay and directed this film exists in that space, that this is like the film's quite sort of take on contemporary issues relating to social media and politics and social justice is much more accurate. And I think to some degree that's true, but I feel like it was overstated. Uh, like that was certainly overstated. I think the aesthetics of this film are kind of weird uh, in the sense of like, it seems to be this very weird hybrid of the 2010s, like digital media climate mixed with like modern day influence, uh, structures and like i don't know they, the two just don't mesh they exist in different time periods and like it was very it was kind of weird I, I guess like on a very basic level one of the things that was really weird to me was just how like people who write content like were somehow as famous as tiktok stars and are like uh youtubers and stuff you know but mm. it, it, it's it's really weird and, and like the only kind of time that was sort of true was maybe in like the mid 2000s when like the like your vice columnist would be like really really famous and would get invited to all the parties and stuff but i don't think that happens anymore like yeah. i'm not convinced so and, and 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 so like there are lots of things that are really weird where it's just like oh you i i know where you've picked this stuff up from but it depicts a world that isn't real or does it, it depicts mm -hmm. a type of environment that isn't real and there's lots of instances where that happens um mm -hmm. before i sort of go into the synopsis of the film phoebe i want to like like 
know your thoughts about, you know, did you enjoy this film? Did you think it was interesting in any way? Like, what are your sort of immediate kind of, or what was your immediate like uh, takes? What was your letterboxed review? My letterboxed review is that I think that this is one of the most cowardly pieces of cultural production I've ever seen in my entire life because it had the capacity and the raw materials to make some quite provocative points, which it doesn't at all. Mm. And it's just a very babyish, bad, mean person does a bad, mean thing and gets her comeuppance, which is so, I mean, like, I'm not, I don't want to like go into too much kind of like, why is it that morally complicated stories are so, uh, like, so ana- anathema to to young people because I don't want to sound like I'm 100 years old. Um, but I think there's really something to the idea that as every kind of political agency of the individual and gets stripped away and with the absolute horrendous paucity of political education mm. uh, in in so in the in the in the in the global north um is that the only the only uh, the only capacity that people feel particularly young people i think feel like they have is their capacity as consumers so their power to their power to consume or their power to reject so their obsession with um problematizing media and their obsession with if something bad happens it needs to be kind of signaled um and footnoted that it is bad otherwise mm. how are you supposed to know whether or not it's supposed to be bad i think it's because uh their their capacity to make any uh any broader changes or have any broader material effect in the world around them has been so utterly like hollowed out that mm. like all they can do is say this book is racist this book is sexist this film this film is this film is problematic this film has bad people in it and that's something that i've and that's something that i've definitely noticed in a lot of media which is aimed at and most importantly for this purpose media which is made by young people and I think because Quinn Shepherd is so 1995. How old does that make her? Uh, like 23 or uh, 20, like early 20s. I'm really good okay. at maths. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're both. This, this is not a maths podcast. You want maths? Go listen to a maths podcast. 20, uh, no, I was, I was wrong. So I think she's 26. Okay. So she's 26 and she's been in the public eye for a long time. And this is also the space in which she operates. So you wouldn't necessarily expect her to um, introduce a kind of searing critique of influencer culture in her film about influencers. But the fact that she is herself an influencer makes the central point that the film is making, which is that oh, a loser wants to be an influencer and it doesn't work. That's so sad. Like it makes it makes what I think is a very uninteresting and like I said, very cowardly film um, actually quite, actually quite icky. It introduces a kind of 
ickiness to it and yeah no i am a professional cultural critic and icky <laughs> if you're wondering is a yeah you should a, do like a, a yeah. technical term you should do um, like a list of like books that you find icky and like put them on a spreadsheet yeah i should um, do, i should do that yeah, and, list, yeah. Uh, yeah like uh, uh yeah no i don't know i had some thoughts about i had some thoughts about that i th- i think 20 is old enough to uh get told you're an idiot online like 20 year old women are not children they are adults that's fine but i found the kind of like men in their 30s and 40s like delighting in in like really raking her over the coals i didn't think it was like incorrect exactly i just thought it was a little unchic shall right. we say um but that's that's not that's not that's neither here nor there um I did not. I did not like this film at all. Um, yeah, I didn't expect you would. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, there's no particular reason why I wouldn't like it. I just thought it was a. I thought it was a intellectual and imaginative failure. And since I've discovered that the point it's supposed to be making is not everyone can be an influencer like me, um, I actually think it's that's quite repulsive that's something that's quite repulsive to me because there are so many points at which that it could have been an interesting that it could have been an interesting project because amongst other things it could have been an interesting look at young female loneliness which is not something that's really ever covered male loneliness is something which is which is kind of addressed and sort of thought to be a thought to be a kind of interesting subject for for making art about it but female loneliness is is thought to be uh is thought to be very particularly and specifically repulsive and uh there's a lot of stuff in this film about how she is a how she's a sort of problematic female character she's a dislikable female character and there was this it's quite funny there was a, there's a there's a content warning at the start saying you know warning this warning this film contains an unlikable female protagonist which a lot of people seem to think was a serious content warning um, oh really wow yeah yeah there was so there was this whole thing where like a bunch of people were like is has it got to the stage where like female characters so have to be likable that if they're problematic that that like constitutes a warning um so that was like the kind of the kind of the left the, like the kind of the left liberal uwu line and then the right wing line was so so the snowflakes are doing this now and like no one was just like this is obviously just a really this is just a stupid joke this is like on a par with the stuff at the start of dogma about how like platypuses are stupid like that's clearly what it's supposed right. to be um and but for all the talk of oh you know she is a problematic female character a problematic female character it's like a central like a central kind of narrative aspect aspect of it is that she is that she is she's lonely um and a lot of the reviews are sort of saying oh she just wants attention and she and i don't think that's true or rather that's not that's not how it came across to me is that she came it it comes across to me as she uh wants connection and she wants community and she wants she wants intimacy um, right she wants yeah she wants intimacy she wants intimacy she wants Mm. love she wants sympathy and i think that there is a lingering cultural idea that 
women are more naturally social and that a woman who doesn't really have much in the way of friends by 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 very nature has to have something kind of deeply and very fundamentally wrong with her and because the normal run of things for the dislikable female protagonist is that she's got she's got pals still or like normally it's like she has like one pal like one like best pal right but but in this she doesn't have she doesn't have anyone. She only has her parents and her parents are only interested in her when they think that this terrible thing has happened to her. Um, But yeah, so that's a very, very long rambling answer to, uh, to the question of like, what did I think of this film? (laughs) So we get, should we get into the synopsis and then we can like, I think it's a good way to to start. So I'll try to get the synopsis the best way I can. This is not like a complicated film by any means. Um, you know, very much a film that you can watch while also scrolling on your phone. Um, so we are introduced to uh, our protagonist, uh, our, yeah, our protagonist, the uh, unlikable female protagonist, uh, as uh, explained in the disclaimer, uh, Danny Sanders, uh, who is played by Zoe, D- Zoe Dutch, Zoe Deutsch. My understanding is that it's Zoe Deutsch, such as like Deutschland, which is what it's spelled exactly like. Zoe Dutch. Say Zoe Dutch. I don't. I don't want to. Get... I. Th- I think I would say Zoe Dutch, but I'd Zoe be happy Dutch. to be. I'd be happy to be corrected. I don't know. These um, like these European names. They confuse me. Um, Zoe I, Dutch. I, I don't think she can. It can possibly be pronounced Dutch. I don't know. I don't uh, know. You know Americans, right? Yeah. So Danny Sanders. Danny Sanders. Uh, she works as a uh, photographer who's an aspiring or photo editor. Uh, who wants to be a writer at this kind of like BuzzFeedy Refinery29 media publication called Depravity. It's based in New York. Um, she's struggling with her job. She struggles to make friends. Uh, and uh, she also kind of like has a crush on a co-worker who like, I don't know what the co-worker whose name is Colin like does. He's sort of, he kind of, he, he, he's sort of like the kind of classic douchebag who sort of writes about weed or makes youtube videos about weed his whole personality is sort of about where he like he talks like a fuck boy looks like a fuck boy um i i don't know how to describe him other than like kind of an imitation pete davidson but i don't know if that's fair <laughs> i don't know if that's fair um but anyway yeah like so she has a crush on him and he doesn't like really notice her at all um she gets like very frustrated with like her situation because what she's finding is that like you know there are other kind of girls specifically like the ones that she sees on her screens like who are based like for lack of a better term influences who get a lot more attention so she decides that um she's going to well she kind of makes she's, she tells the lie that she is going on a writer's retreat um and then sort of develops that lie by um, posting fake pictures of herself in Paris, uh, she's actually in her apartment in New York. But she, because she's a photo editor, she's able to like Photoshop herself in such a way that like it looks like she's in Paris. She posts a bunch of these like cringe captions, like her eating baguettes and all this stuff. Um, post a post a picture of her at the Arc de Triomphe, and then like the following day, she's asleep at the time. But she gets, uh, she turns her phone on and gets all these notifications. Basically, there's been a terrorist attack in Paris, and it happened minutes after she posted that fake image of her at the Arc de Triomphe. So she has to pretend that, like, she actually just came back from Paris and that she witnessed the terrorist attack. Um, uh, and then, like, 
in the aftermath of that, she's kind of having these flashbacks or like she sees on the video screen uh, on, on the news that like they are looking for a kind of mysterious hooded man who apparently like is the perpetrator behind these attacks. Um, like she obviously she's never been there, doesn't really know if this is true or not, but she kind of comes back from Paris, uh, which is to say she goes to the airport, gets picked up by her parents and is suddenly sort of treated like a celebrity because she is an American who was, uh, who claims to have like witnessed like the attacks happen. Um, she is made, she's kind of like told to sort of attend trauma support where she like meets, uh, well actually before she goes to the uh, support group, she kind of becomes this like instantaneous celebrity because she's a, like, she's now like a survivor of terrorist attacks. Right. So like her bosses are really sympathetic to her and like she gets her own office for some reason, which like, just, just as an aside, like a lot of traumatic <laughs> stuff has happened in like newsrooms I've worked in and nobody, nobody has ever got an office or even like a yeah. single desk. To yeah, compensate my, that. Yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> my partner used to have used to have to watch beheading videos as part of his job. They didn't give him an office. Yeah. I mean, like some shit happened to me as well, where like when I was actually reporting, like oh, yeah, know, no, being no, in course, a detention. Yeah. yeah, all that shit happened. And like I kind of got a day off with when <laughs> which I had to work from home. So I was kind of laughing a lot about that. But anyway, I don't want to like go into the specifics of like, oh, this no, isn't what no, a newsroom no. is like. No, it's just because it, just, it reminds <laughs> me of, because like a lot of, lot, lot of when I was watching it, um, I was like, oh, okay. This, this young woman has clearly, has clearly seen um, Heathers and other kind of like dark teen dramas, but isn't kind of brave enough to, to make the really, really dark jokes. So like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bit in Heathers when, um, when they're talking about how mu how much time they can give the kids mm. off off school when one of the one of the kids kills themselves, um, and uh, and the head teacher says, "Is this is this Heather is this the is this Heather the the cheerleader?" Um, and they say, "No, no, no, that's an, that's another one." And he says, "Oh God, I'd be willing to go a whole day for a cheerleader." Um, and <laughs> it's kind of a sort of similar similar kind of energy, but like I said, it's very kind of cowardly and limp. One interjection I'd like to make about her job, yeah, is it's very funny, and I think not very current that she is a photo editor, but she wants to be a writer. She wants to move sideways into being into being a writer, which yeah. is just so funny. It's like you're a photo editor; you have a marketable, transferable skill. Carry on doing that. Yeah, you can get a job as a photo editor. Why do you want to be yeah. a writer? Why would you do that? <laughs> Another interjection on the interjection. She's also like incredibly rude to her coworkers. Um, so one thing to also bear in mind is that she's not really liked at work. Like, so like one of the things before I continue to the second half of this film, one of the things that like is made immediately kind of clear is that like, it's, she's not really liked in her office, but not because like she's being bullied or because of anything that she can't control, but because she actively just isn't a particularly nice person. Um, um, and that's sort of shown, I mean, that's kind of shown in the way. See, that, see that's really interesting because I, cause, okay. So there's a, so there's a, maybe I'm being when, unfair, but well, this is the thing. I think there's a bit, well, like maybe I'm being too fair, but, um, but you know, like I quite often, whenever I see these kinds of stories, I always think like, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like the, the pun, like the punishment is just like, so it's just like so disproportionate because, um, like I said, part of like part of the part of the idea that people have that that like 
freaking out about problematic elements in the media that they consume is sort of the only is the only kind of political energy they're capable mm. of or it's all they think is the only political energy which is available to them but i also think there is a sort of a intense flattening um where like annoying or obnoxious is is the same in people's minds as evil and she's just she's just annoying and obnoxious uh, the um so there's a, there's a bit when um when her colleagues are talking about how they're going to queer bowling and she says something really stupid about how like i feel like i'm maybe a little bi um and it's just a really really stupid clumsy obnoxious thing to say and yeah. they kind of like kind of sneer at her and you're like and you're definitely supposed to read this as like she is a you know she is a, she is a straight she, she's a straight white girl who um who says kind of who says sort of like dumb things to marginalized people and right. sort of says you know I, oh i wish i was marginalized but i think that is a bit, I think it's a bit of a red herring because it obscures the context of this exchange, which is don't tell people that you're doing something that they're not invited to. That's just, it's just not, it's, okay. it's simply, it's simply not done. If the, the, the people who begin the rudeness, like the rudeness of that exchange are, are her colleagues because they're, because it's one thing to say, oh, um, we have plans or we're going, or like we're going out or not really mm, okay. doing much anything. Right. But they actively go out of their way to tell her about this social event that they're going to that she is <sighs> deliberately excluded from. And like, obviously, it's fine that she's excluded from it, like, because obviously she's not going to like go to queer bowling because that would be, because that would be inappropriate. As is like as is evidenced by then by what she like how she then responds to the idea of it, but right, they're they're horrible to her and they're horrible to her for no particular reason other than the fact that she is a bit okay. annoying. Okay, here's where I saw. Oh, no, also, yeah. also that she's a bit annoying, but also that um that she kind of pitches stories which they think are like really prob that they think are really problematic but i cannot fathom what this workplace is supposed to be because yeah. when she pitches an essay called why am i so sad where she says that she like it, that, that she's like sad that she that she doesn't remember 9-11 i can you name me a website of the type that it's supposed to be that would not publish that essay in a fucking second yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Because I was going to say, like, yeah, there's probably quite a few. Well, okay, so here's, I don't I don't disagree with you. What my interpretation of what was going on in her workplace was, was that, like, she was kind of, like, for her colleagues who work on the picture desk, like, from what I remember when I watched it, she was sort of, like, rude and obnoxious to, like, the guy who sits next to her, right? In the sense of, like, she forgets his name, like, kind of, like, forgets his name despite working there for, like, a number of years i think she's like there's a point where she's quite dismissive about like an update that he's talking about because like the, the way the movie kind of presents like her is that she doesn't really want to work as a picture editor right mm. which is fine um but then at the same time the way that i was interpreting again this could be projection as well which is that like in all these types of new media publications you know as you're well aware like you know cliques are there right and um, you know, some people are sort of considered to be like cool and popular or interesting and others are sort of like not. 
And the way that I interpreted it was that she kind of wanted to be friends with the people that she perceived to be cool and popular and interesting. And mm. they, rather than necessarily being deliberately mean to her, just sort of just don't, as you mentioned, they find her annoying and they don't really want to be friends with her. So when they talk, when the, the queer bowling scene happens in the elevator where neither of them even, they neither see her nor do they really acknowledge her existence. She's the one who asks them like, oh, what's happening tonight? And they kind of say with like their noses turned up, but like, oh, we're going out and like, you're not really invited. Basically, it sort of appears to be like, this is like a very hostile work environment. And mm. one where like, she just doesn't, she isn't sort of given like any respect or acknowledgement, which again, is like could be a really interesting thing to explore some more because I definitely think that like in these types of new media organizations, um, the people who are actually kind of like, putting together the articles or like doing the pictures or doing the, like the backend programming and stuff. Like they, they like very rarely get recognized mm. um, despite having like the most skills out of everyone who works in that organization. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, exactly. yeah, so the way that I saw, so the way that I saw it was about like her wanting to be a writer at this place may actually have a lot more to do with just like, well, the writers are the only people that really get recognized and get attention and, that's what I would like, which is a completely reasonable thing to like, or a completely reasonable motivation, right? And in the first mm. half, that's kind of like what she does in the sense for like, she makes up the writing retreat, basically to kind of like artificially um, accelerate her profile. And as we mentioned, I think Eva Rothmiker at the beginning, um, that she wanted, but the whole kind of like scheme that she pulls off to like pretend that she's in Paris isn't because she wants to be an influencer or because she wants to be super famous. She wants to like be recognized at her company, be a writer and like date this Pete Davidson guy, right? I, I think that I like, honestly, I think it's a little bit more crass than that. I think it's presented that she pretends that she's going to the writer's retreat because that's what the her mean colleague is going to do and also because she's trying to get this really really horrible bloke to yeah. pay attention to her like yeah. again, like uh, in all the reviews that I've read that I've read like something that is that is missing which I think is really really strange there's lots and lots of criticism of her for saying some clumsy stupid things to her colleagues uh but basically no criticism of him who is an absolute untrammeled piece of shit he uh won't look her in the eye when she's trying to talk to him um she like he's only interested in her when she when he thinks that she has become well known because something horrible has yes, happened to yeah. her and more, most egregiously, and I cannot imagine bearing in mind how obsessively documenting of problematic elements young people seem to seem to like to be. He like he does something which is assault adjacent, which is that he is that he comes inside her and he doesn't ask if he can, and he doesn't apologize for doing it, and she has to go and take a kind of giant sized dose of hormones um in order in order not to not to get pregnant and this is like this is a really really fucked up thing to do yeah and it's passed more or less as far as i can tell without without any comment the people the people around her and again this is something that could be that could be addressed in in 
if in a braver and more interesting and better film, is that the people around her are as are as bad as she is. If not like yes. if not worse, she does a she does a terrible, terrible, terrible thing, which we will go into as we finish with the rest of the synopsis. She does a terrible thing, which by the way, is not even remotely uh seeded, signaled, or earned based on what we know about her character so far. Yeah. What we know about her character so far is that when people are like, oh my God, you was you took this picture and then the, and then it blew up. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so worried. And she says, like, oh yeah, like <gasps> I saw it happen. But what you know about her so far and how the character's been established, is it much more likely that she would say, Thank God I wasn't there, like what a narrow escape. Like, there's no actual there's no actual sense up until then that she is willing to do and say absolutely anything to get attention and be famous she just wants she just wants professional recognition for her colleagues not to treat her like shit for her parents not to be um you know benignly neglectful and for mm. a boy she likes to pay attention to her like we don't have to pretend that these are repulsive impulses yeah because that they're, they're not it's much more of a repulsive impulse to turn somebody who has had something horrible to happen to them into a celebrity. That's the repulsive impulse. Yeah. Well, let's get into the second half of the, like, set, the synopsis. Because, yeah, know. like, it's a really fucked up thing to do to pretend that you were at an event where people died. Of course, like, of course it's fucked up. I'm not saying it's not fucked up. But people, but, but, the, but the people who are sort of, in this film who then get so kind of like sneering and pompous about her are people who are willing to consume tragedy as spectacle they're willing to do it they do it they're the ones who do it people like and it's very it really really reminds me it's very similar to um uh what happens in the aftermath of a kind of tragic particularly kind of tragic public figure dying or something or, 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 or you know, or, or breaking down or, or being admitted to right. rehab or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so like the, like the media blames people on social media and people on social media say, actually it's the media. You're the ones who are kind of following them around with, with cameras as if there isn't a kind of participation kind of symbiosis and that, that and that, like that, like this would happen if there wasn't a kind of you know dribbling slack jawed audience for it. And this is something that we talked about a little bit on the on the Love Island episode. That like mm. every time something terrible happens, um, as as a result of this kind of intense scrutiny um, that being in the bub that now being in the public eye brings you. I mean, it's completely different to when it was just newspapers and some janky websites i mean like i saw a picture the other day that had, that had been like retweeted around everywhere which was a picture of that girl um who used to play sonia in eastenders and someone had taken a picture of her that she couldn't she couldn't see that she was that she was being pictured um they were at a gig or something she clearly was just there as a fan minding her own business and then some dickhead takes a picture of the side of her face spreads it round everywhere and it's like so what you were on a soap opera 15 years ago and yeah and you are now no longer entitled just to do anything what for the rest of your life 
without being recorded, documented, posted, shared, distributed. And every single time it's the same thing. So something terrible happens and people say, oh my God, this is so sad. They look for someone to blame and they don't blame themselves. And there is a significant amount of potential blame, which is attached to the people who are willing to turn somebody who they think has experienced a tragedy into, into a celebrity. And there's absolutely no criticism of that at all. And even when you meet the person who really has had something horrible happen to them and has become a celebrity off the back of it, there's no criticism of that either. It's, it's, it's uh, determined and, and framed as just the absolute obvious thing that would happen that you see your schoolmates you see your schoolmates die. So obviously you get offered brand partnerships. And as if that is not extremely in and of itself fucked. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, please continue. No, I think you're right. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> get to the second half. Um, although like, I think what you said actually does cover a lot of the second half, um, which is a great, we, 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 these are great ways to do movie episodes. Um, <laughs> so at this point, Danny is a kind of like um, celebrity sensation, has her own office and like gets the sort of promotion, so to speak, to become a writer um, at the magazine. And then, they, and then they give her an office like it's 1981. Like, what the fuck? What the hell kind of writer gets an office? Yeah. Um, even if she has no writing. Oh, anyway, anyway. I'm like, doesn't have an office that's the part that frustrates me the most of this whole film but um she also like danny starts going to the support group as well uh, by the behest of her parents uh who are like you know you're traumatized you must be traumatized so you must go to this like trauma um uh this like kind of like this um yeah this support group where she meets uh she, where she meets someone called Ro like rowan aldrin according to wikipedia um and the character uh she is someone who survived a school shooting and um, I think her sister was killed during that school shooting as well. Yeah. Um, Rowan is also like a kind of celebrity, um, or like an online celebrity, uh, and the face of like you know the anti-school, uh, anti-guns uh, in schools movie. I, I don't know yeah. what they're specifically called, but obviously it's a throwback to um, David Hogg and uh, that kind of like. Um, yeah, she's yeah she's yeah. she's supposed to, she's supposed to be David Hogg, and she and again there's some interesting stuff where she says things like. People are very keen to make a villain out of someone who, um, who had once been who had once been a victim, um, mm. and that was something which um, very much played out with uh, with David Hogg with his with his pillow company, right? Yeah. Also, wasn't it David Hogg who, for some reason, volunteered the information that his dad was in the CIA? Yes. Yeah. But like a lot yeah. of those attacks were sort of happening. They were happening, um, like quite soon after the attack where they were yeah, kind of so there was yeah. a lot of like baseless accusations and then obviously as david hogg was becoming more of a sort of like influencer um and being wrapped up into the influencer nexus like you know the stuff like the pillow things happen in the case of rowan in this film uh you sort of see uh that she's kind of been on like you know she's had she's she's had like feature articles written about her in like every publication and you know lots of kind of like professional photos done as like you know the face of the anti-gun movement and stuff um mm. uh so danny danny becomes and, and, yeah, again, and, again, and again like they very deliberately i don't know whether it's deliberate actually or whether it's just not very smart um the two things are different someone who has been who is someone who has been elevated 
into a celebrity because something terrible has happened to them is not the same thing as somebody who has yes. decided yeah. to become an activist and is trying to kind of put yeah, plus the origin- pressure the- on the government. Like, and it's sort of it's sort of put over as it's like the same thing, and it's. Yeah, it's the origins the, the origins of the support group are like very like the kind of thing that bonds them together, so to speak, is that they've both experienced trauma. You don't need to interrogate that any further. There's this mm. one thing, it's called trauma, and everyone like relates to each other. Um in no, like his, his no, his dad no, his, David Hogg's dad was in the FBI. And he did uh, and he did the, some tweets just being like, You ever had that thing where you're where like you know your dad was like doing something really fucked up, but he oh, wasn't allowed shit, to talk yeah. about it? And like a bunch of people were like, Why would you volunteer this information? But it was very much a it was very much a case of this is what happens when basically children are thrust into like thrust into the into the public yeah. eye, and they are in uh, no no way ready to um like ready to kind of sort of ready to sort of deal with it and i and, and you know and i i ad- i admire the yeah. the young people from um the stoneman douglas high school i like i admire like any young person who uh who uses the platform that they have not sort out after all like you know david hogg doesn't want to be famous i'm sure i'm sure like if he could choose between being famous and having his classmates back and not having this horrible traumatic thing happen to him i'm sure he would pick (laughs) i'm sure he would not pick being famous i'm sure he would not pick his his like his pillow company or whatever like of course he wouldn't that that would be that would be insane um but people talk about oh you know they get they get thrust out there with no media training and media training such as it is is a decade out of date if not more <laughs> yeah if if not more true. you can te- you can yeah. teach someone how to like talk to a talk to the press you cannot teach someone how to negotiate the scrutiny of social media you can't can't be no. done that'd be an interesting episode one day maybe we can yeah. like look at that yeah, yeah, teacher so back to the film, um, Rowan and uh, they, they don't like this relationship or the friendship doesn't spark straight away. But also one of the interesting things is that Danny really wants to be friends with Rowan. Um, and she again, like she ignores other people in or like she tries to kind of push away other people in the trauma group because really she just wants to be friends with Rowan because mm. basically knows how famous like Rowan is. Yeah, um, again, this is like this is not borne out by what you know about her character. Like this is presented as her like immediately glomming onto the most famous person in yeah. the room. But I think again, what is what really could be much more bravely addressed is that her fondness for Rowan, her respect for Rowan does seem to be authentic. It she doesn't actually seem particularly to be interested in riding her coattails like yeah no she doesn't want to be friends with the with the with the weird middle-aged guy who was who's like an ariana who's an ariana grande like fan Mm. um which i don't think is like it's like it's not very nice but it's not like insanely abnormal that that she doesn't want to just like i guess yeah rainbow rhythms it up with everyone in this everyone in the support group and like i know you're supposed to think like at first she's like she notices that like i know who you are you're you're like you're famous um but the like but the connection that the two girls form i think seems to be it does it does seem to be a real one and this is what and this what it explains rowan's sense of 
horrified betrayal when um when it when it when it all comes out and they sort of try to kind of like at the end kind of shoehorn in a kind of a oh well you know you're just a you're just a privileged white girl who wants to be the main character but she doesn't want to be the main character not really she wants to be just some kind of character in her own life which again is not a particularly unreasonable thing to want to do but there could be some interesting mileage in looking at what does it mean that she that that she sort of strikes up this friendship with this black young woman like what like what are you supposed to like what are you supposed to take from that like what what is that what is that framing supposed to be but there's nothing about that (laughs) at all um again cowardly it's cowardly it's so so cowardly uh but like it is like it is just sad and it is sort of like pathetic because like because danny's supposed to be in her what like late 20s She's yeah to like, sort of like like 26 27 yeah like mid to late 20s and she, and like she like strikes up this friendship with this teenage girl um and like I know you're supposed to, I know that you that it's presented as her being like, oh well, this is a famous person, so I'm gonna like get involved with them. But there really is nothing to suggest that she is trying to exploit this relationship. No, this this, this was like one of the Not things really. I think, yeah. And like and anything that that is then like like later viewed with a kind of with the lens of hindsight as exploitative, like getting her to um repost her story. Like Rowan does um Rowan does on her on her own she chooses to do it she doesn't like she doesn't she doesn't use she doesn't use or exploit this connection actually not not really like in fact not at all and she and she supports and she supports Rowan after she has this kind of PTSD episode when someone throws firecrackers at her on stage and she um and she kind of takes the she kind of takes the place of her sister who used to kind of like who used to kind of like buoy her up before she like went on stage for anything. And you, and it would be so much braver, would it not? Either to show, if you really want her to be a sort of, you know, villainous character, to show her really exploiting this connection and maybe yeah. trying to yeah, and maybe trying to kind of enter the activism space um sort of off the back of it, or even enter the kind of, you know, serious fame space off the off the back of it. But it would also be so much braver if, well, she's just famous now and she's famous for being famous and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. how, how she got there. Why not just let her carry on being an influencer? Yeah, it doesn't seem, like, this is again, like one, of the, like one of the things that I kind of found a little bit frustrating with this was just about like the kind of um the Danny character is there's no sort of like commitment to like a characterization which means that when I was watching scenes like this you're right like you know Danny does not kind of like is not befriending her out of like pure exploitation or like you know this kind of overt feeling that oh she can get something from this teenage girl but at the same time like the friendship that they develop um you know, in part does come out of Danny's still like fascination with people who are famous online or people who are big deals online. And like, you know, um, yeah, and you can see that when like Danny starts talking to her, where initially like the conversation like begins from a point of fascination and then it kind of like develops into this friendship. But within this friendship is also stuff like, oh, um, can you like help me out with like, you know, this article that I'm writing and all that stuff. 
um, which is like then a big like a big centerpiece of like Danny's kind of ascension to becoming like a respected influencer. She writes this kind of personal essay about witnessing the terror attacks with the hashtag I am not okay. Um, and Rowan Ben shares that article, which is the reason why it sort of like hits the stratosphere, at least according to like from what is implied in the film. Um and so like even though they're developing this friendship, like the kind of like influencer ascension is very much like Danny not necessarily riding the coattails, but definitely being kind of propelled by um mm. Rowan. So, you know, and there's and there's there's a scene just at like the kind of like midway point of the film where as like Rowan is kind of, you know, Ro- Ro- Rowan like um, there's a scene where like Ro- um, the school that Rowan's in, they're doing like another active shooter drill or like something along those lines. And meanwhile, um, Danny is kind of like enjoying the popularity that comes with being like having a viral personal essay. Again, very, very funny when like you kind of think about working in these places where all of a sudden she sort of becomes this like in office celebrity. Colin starts to notice her and like offers her like weed and stuff. They go to this influencer party. And and then assaults her. Yes, and... yeah, I am getting to that point. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, they 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 go to the bathroom and he does a uh, sexual assault. Um, which uh, maybe maybe sexual assault adjacent is a better way of putting it, but it's like it is definitely a supremely fucked up thing to yeah, do. Yeah, and it, and you can definitely see with Danny, but like she isn't like you know this is not a comfortable experience for her and. It is definitely like something, but it goes beyond just like, oh, this isn't what I expected it to be. And it's much more like recognizing that even with this new celebrity status, like her kind of like the self, the sense of self-worth definitely kind of didn't sort of come through this guy that she was sort of like fantasizing about. And like they, it, that whole period like ends with her outside of a pharmacy, like taking um, plan B while like a bunch of kind of like creepy men sort of like jeer, jeer at her. Mm. Um, it's kind of like yeah, I and mean, then she goes like she goes to see Rowan, and Rowan and her friends are, like playing baseball afterwards, and like that's sort of where this kind of like you can see like oh, this is kind of like an organic, you know, this is still very much a friendship, and they are still sort of getting along and everything. Mm. Um, then we get to like the kind of like last third of the film, which and this is sort of where things go a bit haywire. So they, um, both Rowan and uh, Danny, they are going to this protest. Uh, I. I think the protest is like fight for it's called like fight for our lives or something. But the way that one one thing I wanted to make a note of, do you remember that Kendall Jenner like ad the Pepsi ad? Mm. Um the infamous Pepsi ad. And like if you remember like that Pepsi ad and the protest that like that was depicted, and you read the signs uh of that protest, because they didn't want to like they wanted to kind of project the idea that, oh, this is like a progressive social justice protest, but they didn't want to tack it onto anything specific. Yeah. So then you just yeah. had these very sort of like vague slogans. And it very much yeah. happens in this one as well. So like does, there's a guy yeah. who holds a thing that's just like stop the violence, uh, gun suck. Um, these, you know, so it's it's an anti-gun rally, but it's also one where like all the signs just say stuff like peace with like the peace symbol on it. Yeah. Um, the people are all kind of like you know, none of them really look like protesters. They just sort of just look like extras because that's what they are. They are extras, yeah, like they in, are this, extras. in this film. I mean, um, that, like, obviously, like, obviously, it's very apolitical. It's not going to be a political film. Yeah. But I think what I think, I, and a lot of people have made this connection with the with the Kendall Jenner Pepsi advert. But the distinction is, and I think this is one of the cowardly aspects of it, is that it shies away from criticizing 
uh, criticizing the kind of the formalism and the structure of influencer culture because Kendall Jenner was paid God knows how much money by Pepsi for this advert. And because uh, I'm assuming because the influencer who made who made this film does not wish to invite scrutiny of actually the kind of the you know the 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 brass tacks of how influencing works which is and like okay again like i know we have to i make this distinction all the time but i think it is important what rowan is is not an influencer rowan is a celebrity activist i don't think that activists and celebrities a celebrity is necessarily something which should be I, i think there should be i think there should be a far more a far sorry a far less permeable membrane between activism and celebrity that's what i think um mm. and like you can say that i'm po-faced for that if you like i don't care um <laughs> uh i think there should be i think there should be you know an inf- like infinitely more of a you know a fence between uh between the two um but you get down to the brass tacks of what influences influencing and is is and i'm not talking about content creation and i am not talking about people who um use their use their platforms to actually be of material help to people. I'm talking about people who approach brands saying, this is my life. Here is how I can use my life to sell and promote your brand. That is what Mm. I'm talking about. And they very, very much avoid showing, uh, showing Danny reaping any of the actual formal brass tax rewards of her newfound fame. They don't show brands approaching her. They don't show her being sent free stuff. Um, They don't show Rowan being sent free stuff either or brands approaching her. Like they don't show, they don't show them doing actual any, like any kind of influencer, like influencer work. I mean, this is the other confusing Uh, thing. Yeah. Which, which I think would, if they did, it would invite a certain amount of scrutiny onto, onto the, onto the film's, onto the film's maker it's like well what would it what would it mean if you're portraying if you're portraying like a brand like pepsi approaching somebody who as far as they're concerned has been through a traumatic event and has asked them to like be their be their spokesmodel like what does that mean about this like this like obscene symbiotic relationship between brands and these people's yeah lives and these people's and these people's traumas and they very and they very very they very carefully avoid having either of them doing any influencing at all it's only it's only played out through like the enormous like amount of like numbers they get on their social media posts yeah and this is the thing that i found really interesting too because again it was very much like because of like whether that was cowardice or whether that's just like bad writing or it could be both or like they feed into each other it feels like not dated but it feels like they've sort of got their time periods mixed up because i think there was definitely Mm. a period like in the sort of like 2010s where you could sort of be like a influential person online and not really get like anything for it right like you you could like get your viral personal essay and like the best you would sort of like receive from that would be like getting to do like the tell you know the tv news rounds and stuff or you know at best you might get like a book deal or something i thought like that was kind of the absence of like that and like publishing uh, or the publishing pipeline like which would have seemed a lot more fitting 
the fact that that wasn't there was quite interesting too. Mm. Um, but like the whole, but then you know, while you've got while while you've got like these kind of writers that seemingly are stuck in like 2014, you then they're, they're sort of taken to like 2022 influencer land where like you go to these influencer parties where they give you gift bags of like tablets and stuff in them, right? Like that was something that is kind of like relatively new for like, so, you know, internet celebrities now. So it kind of feel like it kind of felt like they've sort of got this mishmash of two different periods of the internet that are like yeah. close together, but yeah, also yeah. culturally very distinct. And they've sort of mm-hmm. meshed together in this weird, which again, like, as you've mentioned, could be like, is a very useful way to like avoid criticism, especially for people involved in the film for whom like brand deals are very much part of their like economic yeah. apparatus. But it's also, yeah. but it's also just like you've missed this big aspect of you know because like the kind of re- refutation you can make was well why didn't you just make up a brand right why didn't you just like make up a fashion label or like a soft drinks company to then do like one scene where like you know they're negotiating with Danny about like you know do you want to like be the face of you know uh jacket cola I don't know what kind of fucking like name you'd give a cola company but yeah um. None of none of you know, that is absent. Like all of that is I, absent. Had, you know, if I had a cola company, I'd call it Holy Roller. Ho what? Sorry? Ho- holy roller. That's what I'd call it if I had a cola. Holy cola roller company. cola. Uh yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So there's no like holy roller cola coming up to Danny and being like, we're gonna give you loads of money if you become the face of this cola brand. Um yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, it like it's it, that part definitely feels very disjointed and it feels like it's something that and as a result, you end up, it contributes to the overall feel of this film, which is that it kind of borrows certain influencer aesthetics to make the viewer know that, like, yeah, we're talking about influencers and everyone here is an influencer, but they don't really sort of address that in a way where it kind of, you, you see how these people are sort of shaped by this influencer economy, which the film, the premise of the film is like, no, the influencer economy is so prevalent that it can make people do these horrible, horrible things mm. because they're so desperate to be part of it. And you have like people whose whole social lives are ruined because they don't feel that their like self-worth is worth anything in a climate where anyone can kind of be fa- like people are sort of famous for being themselves, right? Like mm. it just feel that part feels very that had and it felt disjointed right through the end of the film. Um, should I yeah. summarize the, should I summarize I, the last bits and then we can kind of do some final yeah, uh, thoughts? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. I think just one thing that I'd like to say, actually, yeah, sure. it's quite interesting. I you know, just thought of like, literally just as you were speaking, this film is a, is a few bad apples film. There's like absolutely no criticism whatsoever of the influencer economy. There's yeah. like, there's only a criticism of people who like miss, who of like individuals who misuse it. And so like it avoids mm. making any kind of structural comments. It's quite, it's quite a funny thing to be a kind of, well, you know, a few bad apples um, about, but you know, here, you know, here we, here we are. Uh, I think what you yeah. said about it being a mishmash of two different time periods or several different time periods actually is very astute. Um, I think part of it is the thing that we keep coming back to, which is if you make, if you make any kind of cultural product that has a long lead time and there is anything about like, the again the brass tacks of social media uh it's gonna look pretty weird by the time it comes out like that's just right, yeah that's just something that we've just that we just that we just have to accept if you put social media in your novel if you put social media in your film um 
you're just going to get people saying you're just going to get people saying um like oh so i read this book why isn't the pandemic in it it's like because they wrote it 3 years ago that's that's why that's why <laughs> um uh, sorry because they sold it 3 years ago sorry they wrote it 15 years ago and they sold it 3 years ago <laughs> etc um but the um but the but the point is is about it's very imprecise about the environment that all of them are operating in so there is absolutely no way that the i'm not okay essay would have gone viral it's like it it is like the whole energy is exogene in 2014 yes yeah the, the, the essay the essay that she writes um it's very funny that she's supposed to be working for this kind of vice like company which bear in mind that like there doesn't seem to be any kind of threat of like layoffs they've got a like beautiful big office it's like well what where is it supposed <laughs> to be um but not but not but not only that um uh what would actually attract attention is the essay that she wants to write about how she's sad that she that she doesn't remember 911 that's the that's the essay that people would <laughs> that people would read and people would share and 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 people would like but it's very funny that yeah she works at this sort of vice place she's supposed to be like 20 sort of, sort of 27 or whatever and she doesn't know what spoken word is so there's this really like clunky awful bit where like rowan is explaining mm. what spoken word poetry is um and uh, yeah, so I'll just let you. I'll let you uh, uh, go back into the synopsis <laughs> yeah, so about like the, end of the film. The final section is when she gets caught. So when she kind of comes back from the rally that her and Rowan were in, where um, some sort of like Trump adjacent guys like uh, uh, set off some sort of like smoke grenades and stuff, and it causes. Is, like, is that is that how how you read those? Because I thought that was supposed to be again another. This could be a kind of interesting. Are they supposed to be like the Paul brothers? No, are they well, also well, supposed to be like no, content well, creators who like whose whole they, thing is like oh you can't take a joke they could be but what they say when they fire the smoke bomb or when they throw the smoke bombs is like take that snowflakes oh right okay, which no, made I, me I, kind I of think but that. okay well they could be like trump adjacent people or like at least kind of like right wing adjacent people but again it's like because of like the fact that this movie is trying to avoid politics it never really addresses that so i think at one point they're just sort of called they're called trolls um, mm. Which, like, no, but it's it's kind of a minor issue at this point, bearing in mind how far across how how long of the film we've got left. Um, mm. After the whole thing, yeah, she goes, like, yeah, like, tro like trolling is saying, like, you think there should be no such thing as historical fiction because it's because it's lazy. Like that's trolling. Like, <laughs> it's so true though. Um, I actually, I actually, <laughs> no, I actually like semi sincerely think that. <laughs> um. She goes back to her apartment and her co-worker is there for some reason, somehow got in and um, also looked through her laptop because Danny, because she's got a new office, doesn't know how to like, and because she's a millennial or like millennial Zoomer, doesn't know how to lock a door, meaning that her colleague... Or lock a laptop, which like literally yeah. everyone does absolutely uh, automatically. Or put, yeah, or put a password in, which is why um, her colleague then like kind of just goes through her laptop and kind of look. But the one thing that I did think was actually very true to form is the fact that like her Photoshop is still on her computer despite it being months since it took place. Um, yeah. <laughs> because none of us ever closed tabs, which is yeah, why I still yeah, have like a 10K post yeah. recording from like 
February still in my audition Yay. drive. Yeah, um, no, this is this is this is definitely <laughs> this is definitely true to life. But again, <laughs> that's presented completely uncritically. That like because it's because it's not put over that this that her colleague objects to um, objects to like the possibility that she's sort of not telling the truth about ever having been in Paris. And again, like I think it would have been braver for it to have been like something that like started as it's quite a harmless lie like it's like it's dumb to pretend that you've gone to Paris when you haven't it's dumb and a mm. bit insane but it's not like it's not hurting anyone that has just oh just absolutely just like spiraled out of her control and I think that they I think it's incorrect to present the level of like choice that she makes and like her like clearly her eyes like kind of lighting up like oh finally I will get some attention I just don't think that's I don't think it's believable I don't think it's plausible um but it, you're supposed to think that her colleague is jealous that mm. she's getting all this attention. And that's sort of presented quite uncritically. And it's presented quite uncritically that a completely normal response to being jealous and bearing in mind, as far as everyone's concerned, she has watched people die and she has thought that she is going to die. There's nothing mm. to be jealous of unless you think unless you think that fame is something to be pursued at all possible costs, which is, thank, fr like, frankly, a sign of extreme social disease, if you ask me. But yeah. that, it's, that, it's presented that, it's, that it's completely normal that what you would do if you suspect that somebody is not telling the whole truth about a situation or like, you know, entirely inventing a situation, your first, your absolute first port of call is to let the cop in your head really really start start yelling the absolute first thing you do is you go like snooping around you like you start you start with the monitoring you start with the you start with the like you start with the kind of the looking on the computer like it, it it's yeah. presented as being like that is an absolutely normal reaction and it would be a normal reaction if this colleague had lost somebody in this event and was trying to expose their colleague for kind of for, for like for lying about it. It doesn't make any sense that it's just like they've got an office now and everyone thinks they're a good writer and no one thinks I'm a good writer anymore. Like that's mm. that stinks. That's a, that's that sucks as a thing to do. And again, because it's also flattened, um, things in this film are either very 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 bad and evil or like completely fine and normal. There's no kind of like there's no sort of gradation of like of like terrible interpersonal or social activity or social response. Like it's yeah. obviously evil to pretend that you were involved in a terrorist attack that you weren't. And it's obviously completely fine to start like monitoring your colleagues and snooping around them because you think that they're getting fame that you should, that should rightfully <laughs> be yours. Like it's, it no, it's mm, terrible. It's terrible. And like, it's terrible that like her, like otherwise, disinterested parents are suddenly i don't not disinterested her her like her kind of cold her her sort of cold and unaffectionate parents are suddenly like really really interested in being in like you know in, in having a close family relationship after they think this happened it yeah. sucks that her that her boss having not let her write is now letting her write like that that sucks and all of these people are just presented as like responding in a completely normal and acceptable way to this villain. And yeah. I don't think, I don't think, I think that's bad. That's a bad thing. No, anyway, you're right. Okay. 
she anyway, finds uh, yeah so she kind of discovers that the whole thing was a lie and she's like um, uh, yeah you need to tell Rowan like you know what was going on and also we're gonna like you know unless you sort of like apologize and publicly say what you did uh, we're gonna like reveal it so she uh, Danny like sends kind of like I guess the iPhone notes apology um, I don't know whether hmm. she's in a video format but like the way that it reads is like an iPhone notes apology um and yeah she's kind of discovered and it becomes this kind of like big you have this like montage of people who are just like turning like at one point you have like a, this kind of channel of two guys who dox her and like that's sort of just seen as part of the whole backlash yeah. and it's not really yeah this, is this is yeah this is being presented as like and like this kind of like insane Insane, like kind of like like kind of rape and murder threats that she gets and this is presented as like well it's just the cost of doing business you shouldn't lie and again there is no um there's no kind of delving in to the fact that if she had been telling the truth about this situation then the response would would probably be no different she would yeah. probably still get rape and murder threats because that's what happens to women in the public eye um she would probably still have some like kind of like 4chan pranks to weirdos on YouTube finding out where she lives and publishing her address. Like there would actually be no difference to the response. And the response is framed as like, as like maybe not ideal and probably not very nice to be subjected to, but like an, but an acceptable level of moral righteousness as opposed to yeah. this is what would happen regardless of what the truth was. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Uh, she goes like in the and in the final scenes. I just want to mention two final scenes. One, because uh, of course uh, Caroline Calloway uh, like makes a cameo. So Danny goes to like the support, like another support group, um, with different people. And Caroline Calloway is there. Uh, I think playing Caroline Calloway, and yeah. Caroline, Caroline Calloway is just like, yeah, you know, you've got to like really sort of be genuine with your apology and it's not about like the internet it's about the people that you really hurt and all like i can't remember exactly what she says um and then in the final scene uh rowan goes to uh no, sorry danny goes to rowan's like spoken word uh thing where she well danny then has to hear rowan kind of reciting this poem which is very much about the like the friendship that dissipated between danny and rowan after the aftermath of like what was revealed and Rowan kind of the line that I sort of remember is kind of like the whole, um, you know, uh, that because she is like a privileged white girl, her story gets to be like Netflix and Hulu movies while hers mm. kind of is reduced, which. Mm, mm, yeah, 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 no, um, mm, only because yeah. only because Rowan was sort of introduced as like, no, you kind of got the influencer treatment as well. And you can certainly have a conversation about like when it comes to the sort of influencer trajectory, like what unique challenges uh, women of color, people of color, non-white people like face, but not necessarily true to be like um, certain stories are made into like miniseries and I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Because again, yeah, I was like, no, maybe no, I'm no, being unfair no, about that. No, but. no, no. I no, no. I agree with you. And and like and, and like also like with with Rowan's like final like supposed to be devastating um, slam poem about about Danny, um, which 
uh, which makes her realize that she will never be forgiven and there's no point her doing her notes app apology, which I think is actually the, the only bit that had any kind of serious emotional resonance, which is the bit when Rowan shows up at work and starts yelling at her. And like, again, Danny's distress is, is, is genuine. Like she is genuinely up distressed to have hurt her friend. And, like, and again, like, I'm not like saying like, oh, well, you know, this white girl being upset is more important than the betrayal of this black girl because that's obviously an insane thing to think. Um, but you are bit you're being prodded into that direction. But I think the bit the only bit that had any serious resonance for me is when she realizes like how incredibly bankrupt any apology she might be able to make to this mm. young woman. Like it's like there's nothing she can say. This po- yeah. this this poem that Rowan does is supposed to be like a real do people still say drop the mic? I don't want to say drop the mic. I don't think people say it, but you can say it for the purposes of like. This. But it's but that's but again that's how it's framed and presented. Mic and because drop, this, yeah. But yeah, because this, because this film is set between 2014 and 2017, and I can't <laughs> work out when. Um, and also a little bit in 1981 as well, because it just has an absolutely just like bizarre idea of how media companies work. Um, like. That it's supposed to be a kind of mic drop moment. It's it's regrettable that the poem that she does is is so extremely cringy, but it's also it's also a it's a reasonable rewriting of history. Imagine like imagine that if you were in that position, you would also want to uh, sort of take back your own involvement, and you'd want to take back being taken in by this person, but. She says, oh, you stole my words. You took them from yeah. me. And it's not really what happened, actually. It's, it's not really what happened. What happened was she said, I'm writing this essay. And then she, and Rowan comes up with this. Like, again, she did not invent the phrase, it's okay not to be okay. <laughs> like, that's like, 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 in, like this incredibly kind of like bloodless, banal aphorism that she comes up with. And it's just like, oh, you stole my words. You stole my words and you use them to make you famous. And it's like, okay, you get, get an essay going viral. That's not making you famous, for God's sake. And, but also, if, there's, if there was any bravery and any willingness to be provocative, then it would be inviting you to think, huh. So even the good character, who is supposed to be so uncomplicatedly good as well, she's like, Mm. she's such a kind of saintly figure. And that I think is interesting with the racial dynamics that the, that the, you know, the, 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 the white main character is, is, is pretty uncomplicatedly a villain and the, and her kind of, and her black counterpart is, is very uncomplicatedly a saint and wouldn't it be so much more interesting and so much more provocative if the takeaway that you were supposed to leave with, oh, so she lies too. Like, yeah, in a much less damaging and much less um, explosive way. But she's decided that she doesn't like what happened. So she has altered what, what, has, what has happened. She has, she has rewritten it. She has reconfigured it. She has reconceptualized it. And she has taken control of this narrative to the extent that she is presenting something which is, fund- which is fundamentally an untruth about somebody else um, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't it shouldn't be like kind of the main narrative point or certainly not like the denouement of the whole film but it would be it would be quite a provocative thing 
to yeah. to put over that this that like the kind of the question of like does fa- does fame contaminate your morality to the point that even if you are such a kind of uncomplicatedly unimpeachably good figure as uh as this as this you know this this gorgeous girl who has survived a school shooting mm. but but the pursuit of and the sustenance of 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 fame even if the reason that she wants to stay famous is that it makes her is that it keeps her activism in the public eye even if there's a kind of good reason behind it and even if there's a kind of good and noble and moral reason behind it that she's st- that she's still contaminated and she can't stop herself from doing what famous people do which is lie yeah and I think that would be much more provocative and much more interesting. And but like like again, you know, that she's tw- like you know the writers like the writers twenty six, but a twenty six year old is an adult. There's no need to infantilize twenty six year olds. Like it's yeah, it's su- it's a, it's such a missed opportunity of a film. I think like even like the bit at the end where she's in the I got cancelled support group. Um, and somebody else in the I Got Cancelled support group says like, oh, you're just a rich white girl who wants to be the main character. And I've, I've mentioned this earlier on in the episode, but that, it's, that's not a, that is not a fair assessment at all. It's also not a reasonable assessment based on the assumption that this other person has presumably done something pretty bad as well. Um, we don't really have time to go into how like... Um, how like she I mean she experiences consequences in that she's sort of right back where she started and she's now like famous for being like she's now famous for being infamous uh which again I mean if she is the sort of grasping grasping attention seeking fame hungry villain that they are pretending she is then why wouldn't she grab hold of Mm. why wouldn't she sort of grab hold of that as being like okay well I'm the person who everyone loves to hate like why not build uh, build a kind of entirely separate kind of influencer career off the back of that. I mean, even like the presence of Caroline Calloway in the film suggests that there's like a kind of whisper of like recognition of the possibility that like infamy is its own kind of fame. And it's like, it's very deliberately the case that like there are no, I mean, there are obviously like like extreme social consequences for her, but like she's not out on the street. She has these middle class parents that she can move back in with, um, who will look after her. Like, there's also um, it's also not clear she, whether, she might, whether she's she, lost she, her job or not. No, that's not clear either. Although, I mean, I'm assuming <laughs> that she has lost her job, that probably means that she loses her health insurance. Um, and again, and I was talking about I was talking about this too. Uh, um, friend of the show, Aaron Thorpe, the other day about how, like, how impossible really it is for us to properly understand how much control your employer has over you, um, yeah. because they wield this, they wield this power of like the difference between getting getting treatment if you get sick or not getting treatment if you get sick, which is just so just like so wildly different as a kind mm-hmm. of sort of root foundation concept of like like what it like what it means to have like a kind of relationship with your work with like your work and your working life but like again like there's there's absolutely no exploration of that whatsoever which i don't think is so very very surprising uh but they there's a real kind of sense of smug self-congratulation in the fact that she isn't given a redemption arc and i think it would be so much more provocative if she found a 
redemption arc in her in her infamy personally personally i would just yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, something something that it reminded me of like quite a lot was um are you familiar with bell gibson no so bell gibson is this australian um australian kind of health and wellness like sort of lifestyle influencer um who started this thing called like the whole food pantry or something she's like a kind of um she's like kind of deliciously ella but like australian okay sure and she said that um she said that she had a brain tumor and she became a cancer influencer and i find the term cancer influencer suboptimal uh Again, you can call me po-faced for that if you like, but you know, I really mm. don't care. I really don't care. Um, and she and she said that she had cured herself of a brain tumor through her through this diet plan, which she sold for you know lot, lot, lots and lots of money. And she was then exposed. Um, she was exposed as uh, as as fraud um, and mm. exposed as as never having had never having had a, a brain tumor um and there were lots of people um who were right who were rightfully extremely extremely angry like kind of murderously angry because they had had beloved family members stop treatment for various forms of cancer in order to follow this diet plan instead um and had obviously and it obviously died as as a result. And um, but the thing that people and it was a whole thing, and that she she had a redemption arc extraordinarily. But there was but the thing that people are, I think the people that don't actually know about this story is that because she was a kind of sort of you know sort of new age kind of whacked out type, and she started going to this. Uh, she stopped going to her kind of regular doctor and started going to this guy who was called like, he wasn't literally called like Dr. Jake, but like something <laughs> like that. Like, you know, kind of doctor and a first name, like absolute, just like just the rancest far as possible. Who, who told her that she had a brain tumor. Mm. So <laughs> she obviously discovered probably, probably relatively soon that she did not, she did not in fact have a brain tumor, but she was, she was she was presented as fictionalizing a brain tumor for attention and in order to sell her diet plan but the mm. the real story was like you know a little bit a little bit more complicated than that shall we say because as far as we can tell she really did think that there was something wrong with her yeah. um and then the next time she went for a scan like obviously they said that well you don't have anything so she probably thought oh maybe i really have cured myself um which is you know mm. terrible and insane um and also like it's very much a kind of very much like sort of part of the now decades raging about like what what one does about people who give advice to unwell people which will which will which will kill them um and we have a we have a family we have a family friend who was told by some quack to um start it was to like stop stop chemo and start taking goji berries instead or something and uh and and she mm. and again she she died obviously because that's what happens when you refuse treatment um 
and and there's been and there's and there's lots of it uh, and, there, and there's lots of it and there has been over the past several past several decades there was that guy um who uh sold who sold vitamin pills to various african governments claiming that they were claiming that they could like treat treat hiv and aids with them um like it's like it's at, like it's absolutely everywhere and it's like it's a kind of very kind of like when people talk about it and think about it it's really easy to say oh well the people who fall for it are just stupid but like it's it's sort of a little bit more complicated than that but again i think that they could have i think there could have been some slightly more kind of subtle oh well she did a bad thing um and then she got righteously punished for it and now she's unhappy that's the end which is like i said like right up top it's a very childish representation <laughs> of it's a very childish representation of morality because i'm not like obviously i'm not saying like is it really such a bad thing to do that to pretend that you were in some terrible thing and but yeah they really really fail to show who she actually harms the only person mm. who you could say that she actually harms and hurts is her friend is is her new friend and she doesn't hurt her in a material way she hurts her because she's lied to her and she has made her think that they have this connection that they don't have yeah but i mean like again like it's a it's it's not an uninteresting philosophical question that does it does it take away from the people who actually were involved in this terrorist attack does it actually rob them of anything other than presumably the opportunity to be famous and to be influencers um what does it actually rob of anyone is it that people want to uh want to think the best of the people who are pushing products at them like what is like again i'm not like this isn't a defense this is supposed to be oh did she really do anything wrong like there's there's scope in this kind of film for addressing yeah what she did wrong and why it's a particular why it was a particularly bad thing of her to do particularly since they don't actually show her reaping any kind of material benefit from it no, other, uh, than yeah. the, other than this friendship which she then loses so and, yeah and if there's anything that we sort of learned especially over the past few years is that like the kind of like you know the, the film is sort of you know the, the film ends after um rowan does the spoken word poetry and like there isn't kind of like a resolution or an after kind of like credit scene or anything so it is like in theory like ambiguous what happens to the characters but based on like the stuff that we've spoken about on this show and just like sort of being keeping tabs on you know all the online drama that you definitely don't need to do um what you find is that actually the kind of influences that are shrouded by scandal often tend to like have much like a much longer life influencing or sort of being part of like the internet celebrity space than those who were like so-called genuine authentic like you know people who didn't do anything wrong because like that is the nature of online entertainment right people like scandal there's a reason why like caroline calloway like is in this film despite everything that she has done and 
all the kind of people that she has like materially like harmed or upset and stuff. Like there is a reason why the fascination is still very much there. So to me, it didn't make much like it, 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 it felt really weird to sort of have an embodiment of the consequences of that type of influencing that you're trying to show with your main character and then kind of completely ignore like everything that we know about influencer culture afterwards. Mm, um, yeah. It felt, and again, I, I, this bit like, you know, maybe sort of giving the film too much credit, like maybe sort of, you know, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, maybe like the kind of critiques or like the insight into influencer culture, like in the draft forms were more interesting when it sort of came out. But based on like what we've seen, it kind of feels as if like they have nuggets of interesting ideas that are worth exploring, mm. but like they don't really do that. And instead this film kind of just comes off as like quite a, I mean, like, you know, I, I said this in the chat when I finished watching it, like, I think it was fine, right? Like, I think it was, like, <laughs> mildly entertaining to some degree. I thought, like, it was kind of funny uh, how they sort of, you know, again, like, the thing that really ties a lot of these internet movies together is, like, how they don't really understand how digital publishing works, um, mm. which is why, like, whenever I watch these films, I'm like, that's not how things happen. And, like, you know, <laughs> there's not how, like, people interact or, like, you know, you don't get rewards, especially, like, your own office, based on like a trauma that you've experienced like you know that doesn't happen at no. all no, like, um, like absolute best you keep your job in the next round of layoffs yeah yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> you know you might get like a you know you might get like a special t-shirt or something and even then that's only if the money's good right um mm. so it kind of yeah again it just it just sort of feels like the interesting threads that this film had and like because of the people who made it had access to explore just they just didn't like it, they were sort of left to the side. There were sort of things that like we speak about or like people speak about on podcasts or they do it if they're doing like, you know, I, I think there was like a Vox review, which like had some kind of interesting critiques of it. I think it was Vox. Um, but in terms of like the film just doesn't interrogate them. So as a result, but then at the same time, if you take the film by its like on its surface level, which is like, it's a story of, you know, two uh, you know, two young women who are, you know, end their friendship as they both sort of ascend like social media stardom in different ways. But like that friendship is also not really developed convincingly either. Like, you know, you spend a lot of the time in the film just like trying to figure out how these two people, like where their friendship sort of like comes from and why does mm. it exist? Like, you know, that was maybe that's just me anyway. But like, I found yeah, even, on I this, right. even on the terms that the film, even at the terms the film gives us, it doesn't really make sense why the characters are there and why they interact with each other. No, not at all. I, I like her guinea pig. That's my positive piece of feedback. I forgot about that. I forgot about the guinea pig. Okay, yeah, that's, that's the positive. The guinea pig. Um, also, I'm, you know, you know what? Like, I am not entirely opposed to the... Um, to the cut to the heart to the half head die look coming back mm. um i think like i think that's i think that was one of one of the good one of the good bits of the late 90s early noughties i'm quite happy to see it again maybe i should maybe i should get my old undercolor out again and do that no i can't i can't i'm too old no 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 forget forget i said that forget i, I said like, that. Yeah, I, did, that i didn't is, i didn't i didn't say that i withdraw it i withdraw it is this like if this is the same like for me it's very much like every so often and I, I definitely know i'm never in a good place when like i'm looking up like whether i would be good with blonde highlights um well when i was 
um I don't know maybe like 15 or 16 I got an undercolor done um and like I really liked it I thought it was a fun fun time like fun time in my hair life um because like when you had it down you'd look like you just had like dark hair and blonde tips and when you had it up you had like the brown top and the blonde under bit um and then I grew it out because my mum told me it made me look like an Afghan hound. Oh, that's, um, that's kind of mean. <laughs> that's like specifically, Af- that's kind of like mean Af- in a very specific and directed way as well. Af- Afghan hounds are very elegant. If you're going to be told you look like, a, if you look like a dog of some description, then there are worse dogs to be told you look like. <laughs> but but the, I, then I couldn't unsee it. So maybe maybe, maybe it's not time to, to revisit the <laughs> undercolor. <laughs> yeah those are my two pieces of fur. like also she like what's her face dooch zoe dutch yeah zoe zoe dooch uh i think she's like i think she's i think she's super cute i think she's got a really nice face i like that was actually something that i just enjoyed watching in the film just, I, actually like, have a, you know, I, I actually have a note about this which was like based on the character that they've presented this on someone who like if you look at her apartment you see like you know bags of cheetos and like open bottles of like it's very sort of like um, ideal male like she lives in an ideal male living space right and yet and i feel like you can't convince someone you can't convince like us to kind of believe that this person lives like this when their skin is that good yeah yeah no no and, that, and again that is also like part of it like i think that it very much neglects the slightly unpleasant truism that if like someone is like (laughs) if someone is like hot and cool like that it she just would not be this lonely there would just not be this few people in her life she would have at least like one or two hangers on just off the just off the back of being of having such an extremely nice face yeah and like on a very serious note it would also just be like well you can like you can still depict this character as sort of being like lonely and isolated and atomized and everything but like I don't think you necessarily had to go for the like he she lives in like a gamer basement and has like a whole case <laughs> yeah. of monster like living on <laughs> yeah. her, like living in her clothes nest like I think there are other ways that you can depict that which mm, would be more absolutely. convincing and also just add some more depth to that character because as you mentioned I think like the point you made about the depictions of female alienation and isolation like that stuff is really kind of underserved in cinema generally but I think especially in relation to conversations about like how the internet like is kind of like compressing and atomizing and the ways that like impacts young men um like that's something that's kind of much more prevalent in conversations now you know it would be it would have been interesting to sort of explore that from the perspective of a uh, woman living in a big city on her own, like who presumably works like a fairly low paid, but quite intensive job at mm. an organized and crucial. And I think another thing that would have been very interesting to explore. And again, maybe this is asking too much for like a film that is already trying to pack a fair bit in is, you know, the picture editor jobs and like the sub editor jobs and stuff, like, especially during the time period that this movie is set in, like no one's doing stuff. No one's doing picture editing as like a staff position anymore. No one's sub editing as a staff position anymore. No. So I wonder whether like exploring precarity um, would have made this a more interesting film as well, especially because like even though being an influencer is like, you know, a precarious position to be in, it is also one that is considered it, like at least in this space to kind of be much more like financially stable or at least like kind of having more flexibility. And I wonder whether like a character who goes from being like having precarious employment in a very expensive city to all of a sudden having all these options available to her, 
whether that would have like made the character more interesting in terms of understanding the motives yeah. behind like extending the lie. But then they should have had her kind of position to be like more precarious. Like they, they, they do go out of their way to be like, yeah, but she's got this like lovely brownstone that she can like always move home to if things go, things go south. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, that would be a more interesting and more provocative film. Like someone who is, you know, really, really, really kind of hit the hit the buffers, is precariously employed, lives in like lives in a hellhole, has no familial support, um, and they see the op- and they see the opportunity to uh, to not just become famous, which is like which doesn't have rewards on its own because it's intangible, but like becomes famous in the specific material way that she's going to be given stuff and she's going to be paid for being famous Mm. um so she grabs at that chance because what else is she going to do with her life i think that would have been that would have been a more interesting film just like just straight off but that is not what they did no it's not what they've been running for a bit so is there anything else you want to add or uh shall we shall we wrap this up no don't watch this film <laughs> I would, I would just. I, I think that if you're bored and you want a film where you can scroll on your phone a fair bit, then like this might, this might be it. But like, I don't know. There's lots yeah, of Hulu, but there's lots of Hulu films where you can do that. So like, maybe, yeah, no, no, maybe no, that's don't, true. Yeah, maybe do a slightly. I don't, I don't know. Like, watch a film. Don't. Um, it's a very easy watch. Uh, don't overthink that's, it too much. That, I guess that, that's true. It's not like it, it. It it doesn't take a lot of brain power. Like the uh, uh the last last bit of media we consumed for a bonus episode was um, uh, was the undeclared war. And what we didn't tell what we didn't tell people is that the next the next episode uh is entirely in Russian, so you can't even scroll when you're watching it. Oh no, I hate. Oh no, you can't do that uh, like midway through a series. I can't do that. No, 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 no. no. If I got used to being on the phone, then you can't hit me with an entirely yeah. Russian episode. Yeah, sorry, Matt Damon, but the future of films is very much films where you can scroll on your phone and not lose uh not lose thread of the story. Um, That's right. This was a free episode, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, as mentioned, we do have a Patreon. Um, yeah, five bucks a month, patreon.com forward slash 10k post podcast. Uh, Phoebe, do you want to plug anything? Nah. No? All good. Yeah, you know where the plugs are. Plugs. And then, my plugs. Uh, the final plug that I have is uh, this show is produced by Devon. You can follow them at Devon underscore on F, and you can also listen to their podcast, Kill James Bond, uh, which is also very, very good. Uh, until next time, we'll catch you later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye.